0: Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: And welcome, folks, to Business Eye. Yes, Friday, and it is the 3rd of December. The mistletoe is out. The Christmas parties, some are on hold, some are motoring ahead, but the festive season is there. And the one good thing about Christmas, it always brings joy. It always brings happiness. And that connection with family, family that we haven't spoken to or people we haven't hugged. Maybe this year, everybody will get a chance to reconnect and say, let's draw a line in the sand. And thinking about drawing a line in the sand at 12 o'clock today outside the doll. Parents, teachers, speakers, singers, Irish people, a large gathering met up today to say no to masks in our primary schools. People are saying they've had enough. No more. Leave our children alone. I wonder where you stand. What are your thoughts on children's being muzzled? It's going to be one that's going to be on everybody's lips for the next couple of days. So we need to accept and respect everybody's point of view. Personally, my point of view, children should not wear masks. It didn't really work. For the kids in secondary schools, so it's not really going to work for our children in primary school. The only one thing it is guaranteed to do is cause stress, fear and anxiety. And as this is the festive season, we don't really need that. We need a break. We need to be true to ourselves and we need to smile and laugh instead of being fearful. So, as it is Christmas, the Christmas trees are up, the lights are being switched on, and let this be a good month, a happy month, a month for reflection, a month of joy. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with our guest. But before we do that, I have to just mention, Simon isn't with me today. He had to go off and do a little private matter, but he'll be back next week. So enjoy the show.
0: You need a big guy. I like you the most, the best of the best and the worst of the worst, well you can never know, the places that I go, I still like you the most, you always be my favorite ghost, you need a big God. Well, Jesus Christ, it hurts Though I know I should know better Well, I can make this work Is it just part of the process? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, it hurts sponsored by the Dun Laoghaire Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: And welcome back folks to Business Eye. Yes, it is December 3rd. As I said before, it is my birthday. Here I am at my birthday today. Looking forward to Christmas. I always feel a bit of a bum deal. having my Bertie now because, you know, the presents are a bit miserable around the Bertie. So you're hoping to get a good present at Christmas. But everybody is cheering. Everybody is laughing and hopefully rolling into next year, we'll all have a super year. Which brings me to my guest today. Scott Shute, a man who worked ex-LinkedIn, author, keynote speaker. I've just listened to his um, TEDx, and as everyone knows, I've done a TEDx myself, so I can understand the pressure that we all go under and how to get that right. But he nailed a couple of things for me, and those things were, you know, reset butting. The last two years has really put a shock on everybody, and we're all curious of what's going to happen next. There's been massive anxiety in the workplace, and especially at home as well. People are learning how to cope. People are learning how to reconnect. People want to be just part of a community. So I'm going to ask Scott, who's been listening in, to make some comments on what I've just covered. Scott, welcome to <laughs> Business Eye at Dublin South FM.
2: Thanks very much and happy birthday, Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, my birthday was last week, so oh, there we go. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: so, there it's a, go. It's a season of celebration. Yeah, I think that in this time of change, I would call it the great reshuffle, right? It's interesting. Like, I think it's been a gift. Okay, maybe not this whole pandemic, maybe not financially for some people or physically or emotionally, but at the highest level, at the deepest level, perhaps at the spiritual level, I think it's been a gift individually because it's caused us all to pause and reevaluate who we are and what we're doing in this life. And for a lot of us, that means reevaluating what we're doing at work. And so what I was talking about in my TEDx talk is we have so much power to change the world from the work perspective, right? You might open a news browser or a newspaper, if uh, you still get one of those things, and you might look at the world and be tempted to say, oh my God, look at all, look at all the things that are wrong. Look at all the problems we have. What can I do to fix it? And actually, I think work itself can be part of the healing and the progress that needs to and must occur Um, because work is now influencing our behavior, influencing our consciousness in ways that governments and religions have been doing for thousands of years. Now it's work and big companies who are shaping our behavior. So that's my underlying premise is that work can be part of the thing that moves us forward.
1: You you mentioned there that, you know, it's shaping and how we're all shaping up and how the future looks. And in a way, yes, you can look at COVID as a gift. And I've, I've battled with this thought myself, Scott, and it's, it's nice that you brought it up as well. It has made people realize who they are and i think yeah. it is in from my own opinion i believe that it's asking people to take full responsibility for their own lives yeah to be authentic of who you are and the choice that you have is to follow a system a state or your own inner guidance yeah and yeah, that's right I think the own inner guidance, which is your intuition and your gut feeling and, and all those things that go with it should get people to look at the offer that's been made to say, whatever it may be, I'm standing in my own, I'm standing in my own truth. I'm standing in my own truth. on it. That's right.
2: Over the past couple of years, um, I like to ask people, you know, what's, what's most important to you right now? What are you most grateful for? And almost 100% is one of two things in the past two years. It's either their health or their relationships, you know, their loved ones. People are not talking about whatever, the new car they're going to get or the vacation they're going to go on because some of those things have, you know, not been available or even their work. We're learning what's really important to us. And there's this, there's this Japanese concept called Ikigai, it's I-K-I-G-A-I, Ikigai. And it's really, it translates to purpose of life or finding life's meaning. And it's the intersection of four circles, like a Venn diagram with four circles. And the four circles are what I'm good at, what I love to do, what I can get paid for, and what the world needs. And I think it's this. So what I'm good at, what I love to do, what I can get paid for, what the world needs. And this acts as a filter for us with every decision we make in our lives, really, but especially in our careers. And the more we get to the center point of that, the happier we are. So a lot of times, as an example, as a kid, as a 18 year old, I thought. Well, I had kind of these lots of paths, but two main paths where I was either either going to get an engineering degree and go into business or I was going to move to New York and try to make it as a Broadway singer or actor. <laughs> these are quite different paths, right? Yeah, but the Broadway singer part was missing out probably on the circle of what I can get paid for. It's just much it's just a much harder world. And so I chose this other path, and for me personally, moving towards the center, every choice, every, even within a job, how I shape the job. If I can move closer to that center, I feel so much more alive, more fulfilled and in kind of in peace or harmony with the, the work that I'm doing.
1: It's interesting you say that because I think all of us when we're in our 20s, you know, we all have dreams of what we want to be. And looking back now in my 50s, I wouldn't change anything. You know, we've we've had our ups and downs and our um, our, oh my God moments. But I'm learning as well as we get a little bit older and it's, you know, how much do I earn or how do I survive? It's all about needs and not wants. And I mm-hmm. think we've all been pushed along what I want, what I desire. Right. And if, if people kind of sat back and let's go from a, from a internal point of view and really kind of wrote down on a sheet of paper, what do I need? And then right. let that sort of intuition or gut come up. It would be totally different than what they actually want. That's And right. it's easier to get what you need than what you want.
2: That's right. And we're programmed that way. It's the hedonic treadmill or the hedonistic condition. So it's basically when you're in your twenties, you might look at someone who's 25 and think, Oh, wow. If I make 30,000 euros or 50,000 euros a year, that's, that's all I'll ever need. But then when you do make that number, you get used to it in five minutes and then you need 10% more, or hundred percent more. And, and that never stops, right? It goes all the way and you see it with billionaires. So, Once you're a CEO, okay. now I need to be CEO of two companies or three companies or I've conquered the world. Now I need to go to space. You you see who I'm talking about, right? It never ends. It is never, never, never enough outside.
1: The desire, (laughs) the desire is never enough, even when when you get into that desire mode the desire, even if there's people starving, you want to be in space because the yeah. desire is like a, an addictive drug That's and right. it's, and what's next after that. That's right. And, and the, you know, I call them the archonic energies and those are the, the energies that are of, you could say of a construct that we are all in. And we have to, from a business point of view, really sort of sit, stand back, observe what's been going on in the world and go, what do
2: I need? What do that's I need on it? That's right. Yeah. At the individual level, this is really powerful. When we move from, as you say, the, the wants to the needs, that's very powerful because we become in charge of our own destiny. As a company... Something really interesting, the research shows that companies who focus on the whole and not just the finances actually do better. So in other words, if a company focuses on balances, the needs of all of its stakeholders, meaning the customers, the employees, and the shareholders, and really create a balance of their of their needs, these companies are 14 times, that's Fourteen hundred percent more profitable than the S and P average. Wow! So it's kind of it's kind of like in a relationship. Think about your primary relationship. If you insist on getting what you want every single time, right, and maybe bully your way into getting your way, you might get what you want a few times in a row. But over the long term, you're probably not going to be in that relationship anymore. Yeah,
0: there'll
1: be a lot of gaslighting going on in that relationship and toxicity. Yeah. But right. here's, here's something which is quite interesting. There's companies out there at the moment who are short-staffed. They cannot mm. get staff. Whatever happens in the world at the moment, there is mm-hmm. a shortage of staff. Mm. And with that shortage of staff, people's decisions, you know, may, everyone has a right to their own decision in life. And everyone has to accept, you know, inclusion and diversity, no matter what that is. But if you say that, like, there's a company that has 40 people short within, mm. within the company mm. and they're frightened to have that real conversation with the staff that they have mm. in case any more leave, mm. where does that leave a company, you know, going through this process?
2: It's a, it's an interesting challenge. Um, I think over the long term, people appreciate that honesty. right They appreciate a company who operates from a set of core values that are positive. And sometimes operating with clear honesty or operating with that core value shake things up. And yeah, in the short term, that might have extraordinary pain. But over the long term, if you can survive the journey uh, in the long term, that that is how you build a relationship individually or a relationship collectively with a group. So it's a conversation that must occur. And maybe there's, maybe there's things that happen in the short term. We're tempted, you know, we're tempted to cut corners, both in our personal lives and, you know, a a company or an organization, is just a collection of us as individuals, right? So it works the same thing, the same way. All the challenges we have as individuals are the same challenges we have as organizations. And in our personal lives, when we cut corners, whatever it is on our diet, on our finances, on our values, that eventually catches up with us. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm a little short. Maybe I'll just steal this week. Or maybe I'll just tell the, tell the uh, tax bureau something else. But in the long term, that never works.
1: No, it's, it's, what, it's what sits right within, within you as well. Yeah. What was your wake up call?
2: My wake-up call? Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> my wake-up call happened uh, a long time ago. I started, uh, I don't know, I've, I've been wired this way. So I don't know that there was a time when it changed. But I've been, I've had a, a personal practice, a contemplative practice since I was 13. I've been teaching since I was in college. It's been a huge part of my life. And I've kind of been a reluctant businessman. You know, so for me, I guess the wake up call was at um, about eight years ago. I was at LinkedIn and realized it was such an open place that I was able to bring part of my outside practice in. And I started by leading a meditation practice inside. I realized LinkedIn was encouraging us to be ourselves, to be our full, authentic selves. And I thought, okay, well, I've been hiding this part of my life at work for my entire career what happens if i do it and so for me i started by just being my full authentic self and making an offering at at the time i was the vp of global customer operations i had a team of like a thousand people and it was very scary to you know come out as a meditator i was worried what people would say about me what it would do to my brand all this ego stuff but what it did was it unleashed all this creativity within me. It allowed me to really, really, really uh, leverage all of my skill set. And so thinking about that Ikigai Venn diagram, I went to the center of the bullseye.
1: Yeah. Do You know, the one thing that I've learned through meditation is only recently that I've not been meditating Or I've not known how to meditate, or Mm. the amount of people that are out there that will share advice but not wisdom on (laughs) how to meditate. And I, I think if people learn, so for me, meditation is not sitting in a room with my eyes closed. Mm. For me, it's out walking in the woods and Mm. having that silence of that moment Mm. when I'm connecting with spirit Mm. to source energy sure and listening no not listening because that's wrong feeling yeah what comes yeah so that's my interpretation of it and i yeah with the world is as at the moment we are all looking outwards and going oh look at this and news and everyone is digitally um, it, in a digital trance of mm. what's next, what's next, that if everyone was sure. to just stop sure. and spend 10 minutes looking inwards, yeah, that meditation would have a massive energetic level change on the planet that we can't even, um, compromise on it.
2: Totally. Totally agree. So what you described is um, along a continuum, I think, of these inward practices. What we talk about at work is the secular version of that, right? And it's appropriate for work. Um, And it's it's still the going within. And there are thousands of different types of practices. It's any of these things that go within and help still the mind and help settle the emotions and allow us to be balanced you know, and not a slave to the outside forces. And then there's this further part in my belief and sounds like in yours as well, where you can take that further and then have a conversation with whatever your mental model is for the word you want to choose the divine God insert your you know, guru or whatever. But then that takes it to a different level, right? For me, for me, I would call it a spiritual exercise or a contemplation. It becomes more active Uh, And that's, and that's what I do in my personal practice. And, and I'm not here to share any particular personal practice. That's for everyone to decide there's seven and a half billion of us on the planet, seven and a half billion different states of consciousness. Everyone should find their own thing of how they connect to the thing, to the divine.
1: To themselves. Yes.
2: Everything is, everything
1: is within, you know? yeah. Yeah. If
2: each of us spent 10 minutes doing that every day in a truly genuine way, uh, the world would be a much better place
1: without fear. I think it, when when you get there, and Scott, I, you know, I think you're the two of us are sort of on the same level in some way. Um, mm-hmm. That I, when when you when you get to that experience, it's unexplainable, mm. and you have That's no fa- and you have no fear. That's right. Yeah, it's, and uh, you know, grace is a wonderful thing. Um, and, you know, it's great to see that you've stepped out of that, you know, massive, ah, corporate world and really sort of (laughs) came back into your own true self. Yeah.
2: Well, the beauty is, um, I mean, it's kind of a dream in, in anybody's career, I think to do exactly what you want to do right? So I haven't left the corporate world. I'm still, what I've done is I'm trying to reach a bigger audience. Yeah. So my audience at LinkedIn was 16,000-ish employees. And now, you know, my high level, my egoic vision is to change work from the inside out. I mean that for three and a half billion of us at work. Um, By sharing these type of ideas, by, you know, trying to operationalize and codify compassion and for me, compassion is just another word for love. We're not quite ready to talk about love at work. Well, fully. Yeah,
1: well love is, I think the problem with love yeah. is people think it's sexual when you mention it, yeah. you yeah. know, and one of the other things that people, you know, realize about creativity, you know, if you have, and this is how, you know, affairs can start in work because mm-hmm. there's two people working on an energy and that mm-hmm. energy on a project. And that yeah. energy is building. All that is is creative uh uh workspace, but they mm. mix up the creativity with something else and they have an affair instead of just putting that into the project itself. And yeah. love, again, when you think of the word love, it's mean was it doctrinated or indoctrinated or another way that it's related around sex, sure. Sure. you know, where it's sure. not. Um, so that's a task in itself, but yeah. You know, look, if if you and me were having this conversation 10 years ago or 15 years ago in corporate world where we were heavily involved in, they would look at us like we were mad. You
2: know? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, so. It's interesting. There's a, there's an evolution to these things. So I think of what we do in uh, mindfulness in some ways, like mental exercise. And, men, and it's going through this evolution of acceptance, like physical exercise has gone through an evolution. So as an example, 50 years ago, physical exercise was not part of the norm, right? Well, our grandparents, our great grandparents didn't exercise for fun. No one, no one was running for fun. You know, of course, you had Olympic level people or soldiers, but no, the general public wasn't, wasn't exercising. I went to, I, I was with my mom, we went to an antique store, and I found this stack of old magazines from my birth year. I was about to turn 50, right? So these stack of old Life and Time magazines from 1969. And there's this article about a Midwestern U.S. swim team that had won a couple championships. The reporter went to go see what was going on. And they were doing something crazy. And so the headline in the article was, Athletes subject themselves to self-torture in order to win. I was like, what, what? what are these guys doing? they was swimming so... El- Electroshock therapy or waterboarding? Okay, it's nineteen sixty-nine. <laughs> you want to know what was so out there, so crazy, so they were lifting weights. They were doing strength training.
1: My God. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's mad. Well, yeah. yeah you know, and, and look at now strength core training and strength training is everything as as we know. Like even nutrition, you know, look, oh, yeah. you know, so, we, we remember. A Christmas, and, and you know, if someone was a vegetarian and they called to your house at Christmas 20 years ago, they got a head of lettuce and some tomatoes and, and <laughs> a celery stick, you know. Right.
0: right.
1: So, right. We, we are evolving. T- tell me this: um, what three points of view would you share with someone who's listening, who's in business? to Mm. get them on on this journey of that reconnecting the community Mm. and, you know, as you say, hitting that big red button. Sure.
2: I think the first is, especially if you're a leader, the first is where are you focusing energy? Are you focusing energy only on the finances or is there energy on all of the stakeholders? And this is how we talk about things. It's the language you use. It's how we, you know, so who are you serving? Because if you're only focused on the shareholders, it's you're actually doing them a disservice. Because by serving the whole, you'll actually serve the shareholders even better. So that's one. It's the shift in. It's just like in a relationship. If I shift to the we instead of just the me, ultimately I'm going to make me happier because my relationship is going to be better. That's one. Two is, I think it's time for leaders, especially to move away. Well, to evolve, we're on this evolution of leadership from the agrarian age, to the industrial age, to the information age, right? In the agrarian age, the management style was, I told you to do it, just like do it. And it was only focused on the result, but in the information age, that just doesn't work. And so it's thinking about the people that you lead holistically, right? And and think about it in this way. You can, I mean, of course you're going to get better results, but if you have fear, well, here's the thing. Something like 60% of employees are looking for their next job in this great reshuffle. Yeah. And my guess is those 60%, they're going to find that next job with a leader or a company who really invests in them, right? Who has really evolved. So here's two things at least, right? First, we're starting by saying our organization is doing good things in the world, right? Here's the, and not just corporate giving, but like how we are working is a positive thing. And then taking care of the individual. These two things are incredibly powerful. And then I guess for the, the third thing is take care of yourself. We sometimes think, you know, whether it's the 10 minutes walk in the woods or the, um, the extra 10 minutes between, you know, some of your meetings, just to give yourself a break. We sometimes think that that time for ourselves is selfish, but actually the rest of us, we need you to do that. We need you to do that. We need you to be at your best because each of us knows, you know, think about the times when you were at your best. And if that's a, you know, 10 out of one, to 10 scale, and then you think about the times like, Oh, what are we normally well, compared to my best, I'm normally a three or a six or let's call it six and a half. How beautiful would it be if all of us move from six and a half closer to 10 every day, just by going within a little bit, just by taking time for ourselves to get the sleep that we need to eat properly, to get the internal sustenance that each of us need. So take care of yourself because the rest of us need you to.
1: You know, it can be as simple as closing your eyes and eating your food slowly and tasting yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You
2: know, As simple as putting your phone away when yeah. your kids are trying to talk to you.
1: Yeah, that energy can be there from the phone when, you know, when people are trying to look at something and they can then, it can, you know, I think it can be very addictive as we know. One of the things you mentioned as well is, you know, the, the information age and the information age, I think it needs a check as well. You know, the, the future looks like the metaverse and that's not really connecting with people on a, on a human level. And you know, that connection, there is, Mm -hmm. there is a, an energy vibration from, from people. Yeah. Um, and I think communities in companies can't run away too far with information yeah. because they'll get lost in it, and the human connection will be very difficult to find and generate within that company as well
2: yeah well, this is the one of the big challenges for technology is technology has brought us a lot of ways to stay connected I mean, you think about you know, 20 years ago making an international phone call, you just wouldn't do it because it was too dear. You know, it's too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Two okay. euros a minute. Yeah. And now we're we're doing Zoom for free, you know, anytime with anybody. And so in some ways, the technology has absolutely allowed us to be connected in ways that we were not connected before. But when overused, and if all we do is stay in our own bedroom our own office, and we never get out and actually physically meet with people, then that's a problem. So just like everything else, it's in moderation. balance. So I don't know what the future of technology holds, but if it helps solve the connection problem and increases connection, then it's all good. But it's up to us to use it in the right way.
1: Yeah, I, I can recall in my 20s when I lived in Germany and you'd only make that call home once a month. Yeah. You know, because it was so, so expensive. You know? That's right. But yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it's, I think there has to be a moderation. And I think people have to realize that, that, you know, uh, I'll g- give you an example, which made me, the penny drop for me was maybe about two weeks ago, two, two, three weeks ago, Facebook went down. And the amount of people that I would think that were in their homes, were losing their minds because they weren't (laughs) connecting in groups. They weren't talking to people. They weren't giving their opinion. They weren't doing that. Everything had shut off in their life. They weren't speaking to family. They weren't speaking to their neighbors. This is it. And when that went, they lost their minds. And that when, when that, because, you know, there was people you could see afterwards in the news and all the, you you know, you can read it read between the lines where people are saying all the time afterwards. And I went, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Hug a tree, sure. hug a tree, hug a tree, go out and hug a tree. <laughs> sure. Scott, tell me if someone wants to get your book, if sure. they want to reach out to you, tell us. Um, yeah, us absolutely.
2: My book is called the full body. Yes. Uh, you can find it wherever books are sold. Um, uh, there's a picture of an orange rhino and there's a special yeah, story the a of the orange rhino. Yeah. You can actually find out if you go to my website at scottshoot.com and sign up for my newsletter, I'll tell you the story of the orange rhino. And my newsletter I promise, I, I only send stuff when there's something to say, right? I, I'm in this place where I'm trying to find value. Yeah, yeah follow me at scottshoot.com. You can find me all over the place on the v-
1: Value instead of content. Yeah, you know, that's it. And, you know, you talk about in the book as well, it's interesting. It's about compassion um, as well. And, you know, I I noticed two years ago, it was all about compassion and understanding. But mm-hmm. I think that's lost in some parts of the world at mm-hmm. the moment. So, yeah, I think there's a reboot, definitely a a compassion reboot. And mm-hmm. hopefully you're the man to help. Hopefully you're the man
2: to help. <laughs> Well, it takes all of us. There's not, uh, not any one of us can do this, but... We can all go out there and be ambassadors for compassion. Sound. Scott,
1: thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thanks very much. And happy birthday.
1: Thank you. And you. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Happy birthday to you.